Welcome to the Monday Minute of the Huntsback Country podcast. These are shorter and more, more informal episodes where we answer your listener questions. I'm joined today by Steve. How's it going, man? Good. Really good. Yeah. Fun weekend with the family. Got the dust of the bow off. You know, oh, <laughs> nice. shooting looks a, a lot different than it did, say, like, you know, five years ago when I was shooting <laughs> basically year round. And now it's like, oh, yeah, like literally blew the dust off the limbs because i've been hanging on a hook in my garage for quite a while (laughs) (laughs) Uh, started to just shoot at like five yards you know i think i shot like 50 arrows on saturday another 50 on sunday just focusing on um really just building that muscle memory back up as quick as possible so nice slow steady draw and then i'd hold for a count of 10 on the dot and squeeze off you know just uh uh frankly it's i'm like kind of sore right i was gonna, <laughs> it's getting like ready to ask working that. some yeah working some new muscles there that have been uh you just you know you gotta just shoot a bow to get comfortable shooting a bow i don't think it matters how much weightlifting or whatever you do uh, you're yeah. just hitting different muscles that you don't normally hit yeah for sure so you, and that's you have archery elk is that the only confirmed bow hunt for this fall yeah yeah the only confirmed bow hunt uh, whether i i got a little bit of a bug itch to go go out you know august 29th for opening day of archery deer here in idaho go go up in the high country get a couple days in but um with the fall hunt schedule with september uh, september's pretty pretty booked up i want to make sure that i kill my elk so i'm uh, i don't know still debating that one back and forth yeah how to how to choose your time yeah it is fun to step away from something a little bit and then just come back to it and like have that renewed like ooh I did miss this I do appreciate this type thing no absolutely well before we dive into some listener questions uh, today on this Monday Minute just wanted to make you guys aware of a few things that are kind of timely so one is we've been doing podcast giveaways all summer we have a new one for August uh, and then if you've caught the previous episodes it's a shorter time window. So we're running our August giveaway through August 14th. So you have another week to get entered. The prize is from our friends at Born and Raised Outdoors. And it's a whole package of elk calls. Um, we're doing the giveaway early and shorter for two reasons. One is I'm going to be offline at the end of August. But also we wanted to make sure we could get you guys this prize package before your elk hunts. So we're drawing the winner on the 15th. So get entered through the 14th you should just hit pause now go get entered right now it's at exomountgear.com forward slash podcast or there will be a link in the show description to the giveaway entry form as well as uh the product which is the cat road shuffle kit so it's diaphragm calls an external read call a bugle pretty much everything you need to go call some elk and hunt some elk this fall so want to remind you guys about that also Last week, I think we mentioned on the podcast that uh, I did a like a webinar. They called a master class with the guys from Onyx. That was all about backpack hunting. That was last Tuesday, and it was a live event. Uh, there was hundreds of people on there, which was awesome. Had some great listener questions. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. They shared a recording of that that you can actually go watch now on YouTube. So if you happen to have missed that and want to go check it out, we'll leave a link. To that in the show description as well and then steve we uh we did mention last week we launched our new k4 rifle carrier and then also some blaze orange lids for k4 uh the launch went well man for sure yeah that uh 
went exceptionally well. I didn't didn't see that coming, frankly. <laughs> we built up a lot of inventory thinking we we're gonna have you know, just sail us all the way through and it's essentially gone. We're we've already, you know, adjusted production to get more made as fast as possible. So probably later this week, hopefully we can get kind of get back in stock. But yeah. uh yeah, that went that went crazy, man. Um it's good. So as of today, as of like right now, this minute, we do have some of the new K4 rifle carriers in Coyote, but they're sold out in Ranger. Uh, but again, we're pushing to have more of those as soon as possible. Um, if you didn't see it yet, obviously all the info is out now. So we'll, I'll leave a link to the K4 rifle carrier, the video, um, just so you guys can check it out, learn more about it. And then if you do want to sign up to get notified when the Ranger color comes back in stock, you can do that on the product page as well. But Steve, since that launch, we actually had some questions pop up that I don't think we that we may have mentioned like in passing or in some of the content out there, but I wanted to have the opportunity to answer these questions um, from users and customers and podcast listeners with you and just kind of hear some more detail. So the first one is has to do with reattaching the rifle after you remove it. So basically, Guy wrote in said, hey, how easy is it to reattach the rifle after you've removed it from the rifle carrier while you're still wearing the pack. Uh, so talk a bit about that, Steve. Yeah, essentially you can't do it. I, I I would have liked to have that feature, but to me it wasn't the the only way to do that would have been at the overall expense of the performance of it. And that just something I wasn't willing to to do. So to me, the pet the rifle is on the pack in hunting situations where I'm hiking, I'm, you know, I'm actively hiking and I'm not actively hunting, right? Two distinct things there. Like I'm on a trailhead. I'm not expecting to see game. I want my trekking poles. I'm going to get in there five miles. And then, uh, you know, then depending on the style of hunt, if it, if it's an elk hunt, then, you know, I really just want my rifle in my hands pretty much the whole time where if a shot could happen, you know, any minute it's there. Um, so the I guess what I'm getting at is the ability to get it on and off a bunch to me isn't near as a concern. Like it's it's on the pack, it's stable, completely forget about it. And then if I'm in that situation where I'm I'm expecting to be just hiking to a place and also I need to get the rifle off quickly, I can. Uh, you know, in the past that really, you know, you're able to kind of get it off the pack, but it's a lot smoother and faster than it used to be. That's for sure. So that's to me where the rifle carrier shines. If you're someone who, you know, um, wants the rifle carrier to be a version of a sling where it's just on and off constantly, then that's not our rifle carrier. And there's, there's plenty of other options out there on the market you can go pick from, but security was number one, having it be like, I didn't want the rifle carrier attached to the body at all. Right. It's, it's, it's not like affecting the performance of the hip belt. It's not a bunch of extra webbing and straps on the shoulder harness. They're going to get in the way. Uh, it's not a traditional quick release system, which involves like pulling on a piece of webbing that then undoes a cam lock. Right. Uh, to me, that was, you know, scary like that, that comes with the performance of security or the cost of security, where mm -hmm. if you accidentally pull that webbing or if it gets stuck on a branch as you're going through some thick stuff and then, Next thing you hear is, you know, clank and your rifle's bouncing off some rocks. 
Um, to me, that's worst case scenario. So there's all these factors that went into why it's designed the way it is. And the uh, one of the things that I wasn't able to do was be able to reattach it while the pack is on. But, you know, eight times out of 10, I got a hunting buddy with me. Uh, he can clip it back on if I don't want to take the pack off. But to me, it, it's a pretty minor nuisance to have to take the pack off, clip it on, put the pack back on, and you're off hiking again. It's you know going to take you all of 20 seconds to do that. Yeah. And it should be, like I said, it should only be a handful of times over the course of a, a week-long hunt that that's the scenario. But mm-hmm. some guys just don't, you know, even bow hunting, rifle hunting, people just don't want to carry their weapon in their hands um, at all. And I, I get it, but it's not like, um, it's, it's not an effective way to hunt. Like you, you <laughs> want your weapon. I mean, that's what you're there to do is to yeah. use that thing. And if you want it strapped to your pack somewhere where it's like, you know, or slung off your shoulder where you can't get to it super fast. Um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, we've all, you know, depending on the hunt, if I'm on a, you know, you're going on your doll sheep hunt, that, that rifle's going to be like the chance of a quick shot happening are right. zero, uh, mm-hmm. especially because you, even if you see a, a ram, you know, at a hundred yards, all of a sudden you come around a rock cornice and there's a ram standing there, you still got to sit down and identify the sucker. Um, so on a sheep hunt, zero chance that you're like, if you're taking that gun off the pack, it's like, it's time to shoot. Uh, and then yeah, like certain mule deer hunts where it's big open country and the, the chance of a quick shot or slim, then it's strapped to the pack. But then, you know, the next day you're still hunting through the timber. Like, yeah, you just, you want your gun in your hand. It makes me think of like, you talk about like contractors or home improvement projects or whatever. And this applies a bunch of things, but this whole idea of like, Hey, you can have something fast and you can have something cheap and you can have high quality but you got to pick like two out of the three, right? <laughs> you don't get all three right. at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, and it makes me think of the rifle carrier. Like we went for very secure and easy to access at the expense of putting the rifle back while you were in the pack, right? Pick two out of the three. <laughs> what do you want? You know, that's pretty much the, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm very happy with the simplicity of that accessory and how well it's, it performs. Um, I think the the only knock you could say is you can't put it back on while you're wearing the pack, and I'll take that every day of the week for how else, um, how well everything else does as far as how that performs. All right, we had one more question I wanted to to get some perspective on that came up. How well does the new K4 rifle carrier work with a chassis and or a folded stock? Yeah, not the MDT works well the you know, i tried to oversize the bottom of it. it it gets a little tricky um i'll do a video on it but it's uh yeah it's a little bit trickier frankly the folding chassis how it sits on the pack and it's got to sit further back than otherwise the like the scope is digging into your side um so it, it can work you can rig it up i just helped one of our buddies, Justin Carey, is going on a sheep hunt, and he just left, and he came to the office, and I rigged it up so it would work for him. Um, but there, it's actually tricky. If you just don't fold the stock, then it acts like a tra- traditional rifle and works great. Just once you fold it up, um, it, it just gets trickier because it's a much different thing. You know, I I will certainly going to be prototyping and working on 
a different receiver in to kind of hold that better. Um, and it's got to sit higher up on the pack, which mm-hmm. is another issue. Um, so I'm going to be working on that this, this fall. Like right now you can certainly grab one and make it work and get by, but I, I wouldn't, it's not marketed as working well with it because it's, it, frankly, it kind of works, but it's not, it's not designed for it. Yeah. Those are, we had those discussions because obviously you and I, Steve, have both been using a folded chest and it's like, what, if we make what is best for this scenario, it is different than what is best for a traditional yeah, rifle. At the, sacrif- at the sacrifice of what 95% of guys are packing <laughs> exactly. out there as far as a rifle. And that didn't make sense. So we'll do a more specialized version of it that we, you know, maybe one of those deals where it exists, but it's not on the website and just reach out to us like, oh yeah, we, we do make these. We'll send you one. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. And again, if you heard that, don't reach out right now because we don't have it. <laughs> We're <laughs> going to keep working on it for all of our personal hunts this fall. All right. Um, moving on from K4 stuff, but this one happens to be rifle related. A guy sent in an email and said, one thing I never hear you guys mention on the podcast or even see other people mention in other uh, content such as what's in my pack videos is how many rounds of ammo they bring into the backcountry. I'd be curious to hear what you guys do and what is your reasoning for the number of rounds that you bring. I so I have three in the gun and then I think I've had a habit of packing 10 extra rounds uh, in um yeah they're just like I think put them in my stash pocket and then they're so they're just inside the pack and the thought process there is if I ever, you know, if the rifle does fall, takes a bang off some rocks, I've, I've got a, a, enough rounds that I could at least get zeroed back in. If I'm have shot all 13 rounds in an ant, that just wouldn't happen. Right. right. Like I, I would never take a shot that I wasn't, you know, 98% sure was going to go within the kill zone of the animal I'm aiming at. So the, the chance of just, yeah. There's zero chance I would ever go through 13 rounds of ammo. And the, the only way that happens is if, if you, the rifle, well, it, even then you just stop shooting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're trying I'm to done. shoot 500 yards yeah. and you're not hitting the animal. Like I'm going to stop. Like I'm not going to be like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's land, you know, it's like four feet low or, you know, yeah. like at some point, you're like, okay, I'm, clearly my gun's off. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm only going to freaking wound this animal, like stop shooting. Yeah. That's a funny thought. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Right. Yeah. I, this question's uh, fun to think through because most guys head, you know, I, I feel like for most guys, it just goes to exactly what you mentioned, Steve, like, well, I need enough rounds to, you know, kill an animal to make a follow-up shot, et cetera. Um, but as you've already mentioned, to me, it's about much more than just the shot on the animal. It's if you do take a fall, you need to recheck your zero, something like that. Like you need to have some margin for extra rounds that may end up not having to do with a hunting shot. Um, and clearly you need enough for a hunting shot and a potential follow-up, um, potentially a follow-up of your buddy even. Like there's there's a lot of different things you can think through, such as, you know, how many rounds I'm packing has to do with the duration of the hunt, the distance from the truck, uh, whether or not I'm with somebody else and whether or not they do 
or don't have a rifle, whether or not they do or don't have a tag. Like there's all these different things that could, you know, make some level of variance on how many rounds you're packing. Uh, but I think, yeah, bare, bare minimum, you know, this guy said on a backcountry hunt, we didn't put uh, distance or duration on that, but I think bare minimum, you need to be at eight plus like easily um, and not just go, yeah, I've got three in the gun and two in my pocket or something. Yeah. Um, and there's been situations like Steve on our spring bear hunts. There's been times where you and I have talked about like, maybe we would just want to do some like long range shooting while we're out here, maybe even packing out bears. We've done that before. So I've gone into like some of those spring bear hunts with more rounds than had anything to do with the hunt itself. Right. But just this opportunity of like, Hey, we're out here. We're in cool country. Like maybe we want to shoot cross Canyon and do some stuff like that. So yeah, there's all kinds of variants. And then like, yeah, I've been thinking about that a little bit for my sheep hunt. Like is I usually fall about where you do Steve of having called a dozen, but it's like, do I bump that up to 15? Do I, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. I'm carrying a second tag. So there's potential of packing out a sheep and hunting another critter. So yeah, they just, I would look at all of those variables of how far am I? Who am I with? Do they have a weapon? Do they have a tag? How many tags do I have? How much do I trust my rifle? If I do take a fall with my rifle, am I comfortable and confident checking zero again in the backcountry, Or does that mean I'm taking a trip back to the truck regardless? So uh, yeah, I would just say that if you're thinking of the number of rounds, don't think only about the hunting shot opportunity. Think about all the different things that surround that as well. What, uh, we ha- I haven't had that conversation with you. What you picked up an extra, what'd you get like a grizzly bear tag? So you can shoot anything underneath that or a yes. caribou tag. What'd you do? Yeah. Grizzly yeah. tag. So, okay. So you got potentially grizzly. Grizzly is on the table. Moose wow. is on the table. Uh, what like caribou is on the table <laughs> yeah but because uh, like, moose opens september 1st right yeah so yeah okay and so it's if you not are there a, later in the hunt yeah and it's not like a hey we're 12 miles back we're gonna shoot a moose type thing but it's yeah if we happen to on the way out or fill a tag early and then want to spend some days chasing moose like at least you know i have the tag to do it so yeah that's cool with alaska and having that you know, having a grizzly tag and using on any uh, quote unquote lesser species um, defined by dollar value of tag. Like, yeah, just it creates an opportunity where um, there's there's that a side sheep. So we'll see. And it was I was going to pick up the locking because the that's the locking tag, right? So like I would have a grizzly bear locking tag, but I would still need to have like the the paper uh, harvest tickets harvest for like tickets. moose and caribou, which are free. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the harvest ticket to use that other species locking tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was uh, asking Mark, my guide, about wolves. And I guess in in this area, you just don't need anything for wolves. They're just like on the table mm. um, from how I understood it. So I'm double checking that. But yeah, it's... Uh, and yep, there's such a... That's the cool thing about... Alaska, there's such a potential for just epic adventure. <laughs> you come yeah. back and kill the sheep and a grizzly bear and then a wolf. And yeah, it's yeah. freaking awesome. Or a moose. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't even comprehend. I honestly can't even comprehend shooting a sheep, much less shooting a sheep and anything else. So yeah. <laughs> I'm very much just going in there of like, I'm going sheep hunting. We'll see what happens in terms of actually 
didn't mm-hmm. kill anything. So, all right, Steve, you, uh, we just shared a kind of like a pack loading, um, video just with, you know, how to break the pack apart with K4, but some tips on positioning meat, some tips on positioning, uh, you know, head with, um, antlers, things like that. So that's a video that we can share with a link in the show description. Um, guys can check that out, but there was a, an interesting question that happened to come through on the same day that we put this video out. This guy didn't know that we were putting this video out, so they're not related, but topically they are related. All right. He said, I believe the rule of thumb for packing a pack with meat is to keep heavy stuff high in the pack. So when packing out and talking about not letting the quarters slide down and ride too low and keeping the weight as high as possible being the best, I started thinking and then started thinking perhaps out of the box. Is there a reason that you could not invert a quarter? I realized that it would take some design consideration, but I could see a funnel-shaped load shelf with a hole in the center for the lower leg to drop through, or just the bottom point where the bag detaches from the frame and the leg could pass through there. Then you're using the straps to lock down the load as normal, except now you have the heavier, bulkier portion of the quarter positioned higher. So Steve, he's essentially asking about just flat out packing a quarter upside down. Yeah, I think we always say position the meat as high as possible. Technically, that's not true. It just means don't have it sagging down below your butt. Like you, if you were to, you know, you wouldn't want to flip a quarter around and have the bulk of that quarter directly behind your head, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's too high. That's going to create balance issues, and you're going to be struggling to you know just stay stable. You want the you want the bulk of the weight in the center of your back, um, so like between your shoulder blades and down to the middle of your back is where ideally you want the bulk of the weight. You you just don't want it hanging down low. So anything below the bottom of the hip belt is a no bueno. In my experience, that's like the point of where you really start feeling it. There's a huge fluctuation. Huge is an exaggeration, but whether it's flush with the bottom or eight inches up from the bottom. Uh, sometimes that just comes down to personal preference. Uh, if you have, I've actually found through K4 and it's why um, I just saw somebody on YouTube to ask this question. Like, I wish those attachment points were higher for the crib. Um, and I actually responded that like they're there for a reason. I found that at least with hauling simulated meat and meat you know obviously we've been prototyping for years but i actually want a little bit of that weight behind the lumbar pad so it's pushing back into me right so it's uh you know i'm putting the pack on cinching it up at the waist belt and sucking that into me but though there's got to be something on the back side of that pushing against it and so if having a little bit of meat and weight down there uh, actually just helps kind of seat that into the lower back really well and, and helps prevent some of the slipping um you just don't want it ever going below the bottom of the belt because then it's like gravity starts taking over really quickly and it's pulling back on you. And then also you just don't want weight. You want all that weight like basically center of your back and close to your back. We don't want to put that, you know, put a, you see sometimes like an elk head strapped all the way to the back of the pack. Uh, and that's just going to be miserable, right? That, that weight's getting a lot more leverage on you and, you know, 50 pounds can now feel like 80 pounds because it's not loaded properly. So just really think about those two things you want, you know, uh, 
center your back and close to your back as possible. And just simple things like even the rifle carrier, we, I talked about in that video, like packing meat. We did this on a caribou. Was that you or? Yeah, it was miserable. No, that was, that was me. That was you. Yeah, we it was. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, this is 2019. You're, we were packing out a caribou, which that was not like eight or nine miles across that freaking crap. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that was a phone. Yeah. But you would just, I think in a rush, had thrown the rifle off the back of the pack. And, you know, the, it's, it was very tough hiking, hiking through that tundra and uh you were kind of not happy with how things were feeling and then stopped and i kind of you know rebuilt your pack up and then put the rifle on the side of it and it was in a night and day difference for you right mm-hmm. um and you're someone who has a lot of experience packing this stuff so um yeah definitely in that rifle carrier i was talking about you can center carry this but you're gonna have much better performance off the side i'd i'd rather you tell me that you feel like the you know the pack's kind of leaning left or right than leaning back. That's uh, way worse. So you're packing meat. Don't throw that rifle off the back of the pack. Um, throw it next to your body. And it's going to be a lot more protected on your side. It's closer to your body. Uh, if you fall, you're, you can brace yourself better. If it's way off the back of the pack and you you fall backwards, like there's that rifle's pretty exposed back there. Uh, but yeah, taking that, you know, eight, nine, 10 pound hunting rifle and throwing it, you know, 12 inches away from your back versus right there tucked into your side. You can, you'll feel the difference in that weight um, instantly. Yeah. So weight distribution is incredibly important. And I, I talked about that in this fitting video. It's something that I've, I pay more attention to, but really than I used to, but really try to get that, that load kind of, you know, basically you want this really nice uh, cube this nice flat cube of meats. So it's kind of the full width and height of the frame panel versus, you know, having a, like if you've, it's boned out and you, if you take the compression straps that are built into the frame panel and really tightening them up, you're just squeezing that meat together. And the only way to, you know, you're squeezing it and it can't go towards your back because it's hitting the frame. So the only way it can go uh, and you're squeezing from the side. So the only way it can go is back. So you're just pushing the pack and everything further away from your back. So when you're dealing with boned out meat, you don't don't really feel like you got to strap the crap out of that. Like just use those compression straps to hold it in place and then let the bag come up and sandwich it back into the frame panel. Good stuff. Um, let's hit one final question. Uh, we've mentioned this, but it's so timely that came in again. This guy said, I've been working hard and sweating a lot this summer on my training hikes. What are your recommendations for cleaning my pack to get all of the sweaty grime out? I'm considering dunking the pack in a bathtub with some laundry detergent. Laundry detergent. Is there a better way? No, that works. You know, take it, um, take it in the backyard. Grab your pressure nozzle, hose off, hose it off good. You know, uh, I guess that'd be mostly applied like post hunt where you've got fat and hair and you know, chunks of meat hanging off of it. And then uh cold soak in the bathtub works really well. You know, just take uh take it, let it soak, and then put detergent on it, just hand wash it. If um well, yeah, I don't recommend throwing it in the washing machine if you have a top loading washer and you want to like just throw the bag and the lid in there, just throw it. It doesn't need to be a super aggressive cycle, just cold water and a light cycle would work. You'd you know, you got to be a little bit more careful with throwing the hip belt and harness and stuff in the washing machine. I don't 
necessarily recommend that just because of the foams, but uh, yeah, just cold, cold soak in the bathtub and hand wash, rinse it off. You should be good to go. Cool. Well, guys, appreciate the questions today. Uh, send us any questions you got about upcoming hunts, uh, anything like that. We'll be happy to chat through them on future Monday Minute episodes. And speaking of listeners and upcoming hunts, we have a lot of the listener before and after episodes coming. So be sure to stay tuned for those. I'm uh, really excited to share some of your experiences, really. Uh, you guys, the listeners and your hunts this fall. To make sure you get those episodes, just hit subscribe or follow in whatever podcast app that you're using. Again, if you have questions for us, you can send those to podcasts at xmountgear.com or look for the link in the show description. While you're in the show description, check out all the links we shared for the content we mentioned today. And thanks as always for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.